Well, let's look in these two openings, 2 Timothy, the first chapter. And then we're going to look at John 17. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, 2 Timothy 1, 12, Paul said by the Holy Ghost, he said, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, talking about the different things he was experiencing, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Notice that phrase he said, For I know whom I have believed. Everybody say that out loud with me. For I know whom I have believed. Say it again. Think about it. For I know whom I have believed. One more time. For I know whom I have believed. That's a great statement, isn't it? I know whom I have believed. Now turn with me to John 17. Let's look at this scripture. Jesus is speaking here. And he makes a great statement in verse 3 of John 17. John 17, 3, Jesus said, And this is life eternal. <laughs> What's more important than life eternal? <laughs> That's pretty important, isn't it? This is. This is a great statement. Jesus sums it all up and says, This is life eternal. What is it, Lord? That they might know you. Come up the Father. That they might know Thee, the only true God. How many know there's not a bunch of different gods? There are many that are called gods, but they're just one true God. It's kind of interesting and amusing to me. If you read over different scriptures like in Isaiah, uh, God says, uh, He said, I am God, there's none beside me. I am God, I know not of any other. And you think, well, he, he knows everything, right? And if God says, I don't know of any other gods, what does that mean? <laughs> there are none. Don't you think that's amusing? He says, I don't know of any other gods. Well, <laughs> there are none. He's God. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing God is life eternal. Knowing God. Knowing God. You ever thought about it? Those who will be lost, those who will be judged and eternally damned to the lake of fire with the devil in his bunch. The Bible didn't say that the master will look at them and say, depart from me because you're an adulterer. Depart from me because you're a liar and a thief. Depart from me because you're a murderer. You know there's nobody in hell today because they're a murderer? There's nobody in hell today because they did drugs or because they slept around. You understand that? Or because they were perverted in this area or that? That's not what, that's not what sends people to hell. Because God forgives all such sins. Don't look at me so innocently. You know He forgives all such, all such sins. Thank God. What did, it, what did the Scripture say He was going to say to them though? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. What? I never knew you. I never knew you. Didn't know you. Don't know you. Do you know Him? You know, so many times different church organizations are so interested in getting people to, you know, live right. Social reform. Lifestyle reform. But you know, the main question we need to be talking to people about is do you know Him? Is He real to you? Do you know Him like you'd know another human person, you see? Is He real to you? Not just knowing about Him. You understand there's a lot of people on this planet, they heard, heard about Jesus. They know some things about Jesus, but they don't know Him. They don't know Him. 
I mean, you may have heard about different leaders and different people and people that's in the spot public eye. You may have heard about them. You may know quite a lot of facts about them. You might be able to tell us where they were born and what they did and this and that. That doesn't mean you know them. I said, that doesn't mean you know them. And there's people that have uh, seminary degrees. You understand? And they, they know a lot about, uh, you know, the Word of God from a legalistic standpoint. That doesn't mean you know Him. I said, that doesn't mean you know Him. And like Jesus said, we talked about this yesterday. He told some of the most religious people of His day. He said, uh, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me, and you won't come to me, that you might have life, you see. Well, see, they thought they knew God because they could quote scriptures. But Jesus is standing right in front of them. The word, God, manifest in the flesh. They're looking at God manifest in the flesh, and they're rejecting Him, and all the while claiming to know God. And the Bible said, you know, in, in John, the gospel account of John, that He came unto His own. And they didn't know Him. His own didn't receive Him. The world was made by Him, but they didn't know Him. And you know, He said, if you'd known, uh, you know, my Father, you'd have known me. But you don't know my Father or me. Well, you know, there's, there's a warning there for us. It's possible for us to be meeting goers, Bible toters, tape players, scripture quoters. And yet the Holy Ghost move in our midst and we don't know Him. We don't know Him. We need to know Him. We need to know what's the Holy Ghost. And we need to know what's not the Holy Ghost. A lot of times because people don't know the Holy Ghost, you have a whole lot of stuff that happens that's not God. And they just let it go because they don't know. Sometimes in their heart, they think, well, that don't seem right. But they're afraid to say or do anything because they, they want to act like, well, we, yeah, that must be God because everybody else act like it's God. Everybody's embarrassed to let somebody find out that they don't really know. So everybody tries to act like, oh yeah, we, we know it's God. And you see everybody looking at everybody else. <laughs> seeing what they're doing and how they're acting. Well, they act like they think it's God, so I act like I think it's God too. But how I many know you can get in trouble following the crowd? Just because a bunch of folk do it, that don't mean it's God. But we need to know Him for ourselves. Like we read, you know, yesterday in John 4, how that the Samaritan woman went and told a bunch of people about the Lord, and they got excited about Him. But then He came, and they said, Now we believe, not because of your word, for we have heard Him ourselves, and know in truth that this is the Christ. Glory to God. We don't need to just have second-hand faith, hand-me-down faith. We need to have our own personal faith, our own personal experience with God. And you can, and you should. Praise God. We talked about how that it is absolutely a Bible fact that your faith will make you whole. We're in agreement on that? We talked about that. Your faith will make you whole. I don't care what's wrong with you. Your faith will make you whole. It's not just up to God's will because it's God's will for all of us to be healed. It's not just up to God's power because His power is more than enough for everybody to be healed and set free. And it's not up to the redemptive work because in the redemptive work it's already an accomplished fact. But Jesus again and again would look at people and say, according to your faith. Your faith has saved you. As you've believed, be it done unto you. Your faith has made you whole. So your faith will make you whole. But then there is, even among so-called faith circles, there is such misunderstanding about what faith really is. I don't know at the time. I've been working in healing school since uh, 81 on a volunteer basis for, for a while. And then I guess I hung around so long they figured I wasn't leaving, so they hired me. And... Uh, <laughs> been around, you know, just been been here ever since. Worked in healing school on a regular basis, you know. And so many times I have worked with people that are from what we'd call word and faith churches or charismatic churches. 
And uh, sometimes people are, are saying, well, I just don't understand what's wrong. I'm, uh, why I'm not receiving my healing or why this or that. But a lot of times after talking to people for just a little bit, you realize it's nothing in the world but just plain old doubt and unbelief. Yeah, but I'm a faith man. Well, that's just a title. Well, I'm from a faith church. Well, so? <laughs> like I heard your brother say, well, it was a few nights ago, Wednesday night, he said he was born in a hospital, but that didn't make him a doctor. <laughs> right? You can go to a faith church. That don't mean you have faith. Doesn't mean you live by faith. And faith is not just making confessions. I said faith is not just making confessions. This has been a source of great confusion because somebody said, you know, maybe somebody was trying to stand for something and they died. And somebody said, no, I don't understand that. They were in faith. Well, what do you mean? Well, they were making confessions. Well, that doesn't mean they're in faith. Just because you make confessions doesn't mean you're in faith. Faith is more than making a confession. Faith is more than quoting scriptures. Faith is more than going in ministry lines. I think sometimes people just have a mechanical idea of what faith is. But you don't just need to know the formula. You need to know the Father. And faith, our faith is not just in principles, not just in a book, but our faith is in the one. The person, the one, the living one who said these words. We love the book because we love the one who said them. And we must always realize that it's not just principles we're operating in, but a living fellowship with a living God. Living God. And so uh, uh, faith is not just knowing things. Paul didn't say, I know in what I've believed. I said, Paul didn't say, I know in what I've believed. He said, I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom. We read that knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. And if a man loves God, he's known of God. Glory to God. Great faith is inseparable from close, intimate fellowship with God. You show me someone who has faith, I'll show you someone who to a degree knows not just Scriptures, but knows God. It's possible to know Scriptures and not know God. I said it's possible to know Scriptures and not know God. The devil knows Scriptures. He quotes them. But faith and fellowship are inseparable. And for those of you who are doing the tapes, if you're wondering what I'm calling this, that's what I'm calling it. Faith and fellowship. Is it alright to get your title in the middle of the second lesson? <laughs> okay. Faith and fellowship. That's what we're calling this. But faith and fellowship are inseparable. Man, there's so many ways you could go with this. I have to watch it. I got notes galore up here. And the problem is I'm not using any of them. <laughs> Isn't that something? Work on all these notes? And, I mean, they're computer printouts and indented and spaced and everything. But I'm not using them. But faith and fellowship. That is why so many in charismatic circles, word and faith circles, have experienced failure. Because they've tried to separate operating in the principles of faith and operating in our authority in Christ from a living fellowship and being led by the Holy Ghost. It's not a matter of just saying one, two, three and get four. Let me give you an example just real quickly here. A few years ago, this just stands out. I've had similar situations since then, but this one just stands out. How many of some situations are just classic examples? And that's why you keep referring to them. A lady called, and I happened to get her on the phone as a uh, 
prayer partner. And she told me that she was upset. Because she had recently, just like a day or two ago, been uh, mugged. Somebody had uh, hit her a couple of times, taken her purse, robbed her. Well, praise God, she wasn't seriously injured. They just took the money and, you know, they whacked her a couple of times. She had some bruises, but they just took her purse and ran off. She lost what money she had there in the purse and a couple of bruises. But, I mean, I mean, no, that's, that's not the end of life. I mean, that's, you know. You know, we need to be positive. We need to be positive. We don't need to be like the uh, young yuppie I heard about. It said that there was this terrible accident and this young uh, successful materialistic guy, he was in his BMW, you know, and it got all tore up and, and he was there in the street, you know, and threw him out of the car and the BMW just mangled up and He's sitting there crying, going, oh, my Beamer. Oh, my Beamer. Oh, my Beamer. And somebody looked at him and said, man, look at your arm. <laughs> and his arm was cut. And he looked at me and said, oh, my Rolex. Oh, my Rolex. <laughs> How many of you can get a new Beamer? They make them every day. This year's model will be improved. Right? We, we need to always be positive. I said faith, faith is always positive. Always positive. You think, well, well, I had a wreck. Yeah, but you still got your limbs. That's good. Right? Well, I got robbed. Yeah, but they didn't shoot me. Praise God. Right? That's, that's good. Be positive. It's amazing how people get sick. They can have one thing wrong with one finger. And they focus in on that. Oh, my finger, my finger, my finger. Until they get to where they think, well, life's not worth living. Because my finger doesn't work. And they completely forget we've got nine that still work great. See, faith is thankful for what you have. And then by faith, thankful for what we believe we receive. You may have some problems in your body right now, but I'm telling you, you got something that's working. You couldn't be in here. Is that right? Looking at me. Listen. Be thankful for what you got. Be thankful for what is working. And then by faith, thank God for what you need and what you believe you receive as well. But don't get negative. Don't get griping and ungrateful and unthankful because if you are, listen to me, if you're griping and bitter and unthankful, you are not in faith. You are not in faith. There's no way. You can be griping and complaining and be in faith. The two are just totally incompatible. If you're griping about your financial situation, you're not in faith for your finances. If you're griping about, you know, your physical condition, you're not in faith about it. You're not in faith. Well, this lady, remember the one that got mugged? This lady, uh, she was upset on the phone, you know. And she, she said, now, I, I'm a believer. I speak in tongues. And I, I confess o over myself the 91st Psalm. You know, he gives his angels charge over me. The angel of the Lord encamps round about me. He protects me. He delivers me from evil. I mean, he'll bear, they'll bear me up in their arms and hands lest I dash my foot against the stone. And said, you know, I confessed that that day. And yet I got mugged. Now see, listen, unbelief says it could have been better. Faith says, well, it could have been worse. Too. Sometimes people think about what happened. Well, this bad thing happened. Yeah, but it could have been. You don't know what you spared from. Some say, well, I believed God and this happened. Yeah, well, you don't know what would have happened if you hadn't believed God. Do you see that? Well, I believed God and had a wreck. Yeah, well, if you hadn't believed God, you'd probably had a wreck and been dead. We need to be positive. I said we need to be positive. I was just talking last week about some of these things, about a fellow. That, and we're going to get to this woman. Don't worry about her. We're going to finish that up. 
but about a fella who came up. He'd been he'd been coming to healing school. He lived in not too far from here, so he could come over a protract, protracted period of time. And he came, and he was so upset because he had been dealing with this particular physical problem for I guess a year or two. And of course, you could get tired of something in a couple of years, right? Dealing with it, and he was so upset. He was so upset. He said, "You know." I don't, what's wrong with me? I mean, I've been making confession. I've been believing God. I'm in, you know, and I still have this and I'm still dealing with this. Well, first of all, his faith is not too hot or he wouldn't even be talking like that. I wonder if you caught that or not. If his faith was real strong, he wouldn't have been talking that way. But, uh, I told him. I said, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. I said, I thought you told me. This has been over like a year and a half ago, almost two years ago at that time. I said, I thought you told me at that point that the doctors told you you might have three months to live. He said, well, that's right, they did. I said, and more than one doctor. He said, that's right, they, none of them expected me to live over three months. I said, and that's been almost two years ago? <laughs> he said, well, well, yeah, but I still got these symptoms. And I said, I said whoa, whoa, whoa. But you see how people get to thinking? Well, I've still got pain. I'm still dealing with these things. Yes, but you are alive. That counts for something, doesn't it? You are alive. You're alive. And I said, not only are you alive, you have improved much, haven't you? Well, yeah, yeah. I said, something's working. Or you would have been dead. Something's working. And the same thing that's working, if we'll stay with it, we'll continue to work and we'll get it. We'll get it all. The Bible said through faith and patience, you'd inherit the promises. But when you go, well, God, I'm tired of it. I want it and I want it now, now. Well, that means you're faithless. You've got no faith. You talk like that. Did you know you don't have any more faith than you do patience? I bet you didn't know that. I'll say that again so you know you didn't misunderstand me. I said you really don't have any more faith than you do patience. You'll find in the scriptures that patience is a companion force of faith through faith and patience. You'll inherit the promises. Now, the word patience, if you look up that word in the Greek, it doesn't mean a, a passive waiting. It means persistence, perseverance, endurance. A lot of people can believe God for 30 minutes <laughs> or half a day. But it's when it wears on, day after day, week after week, and you're still standing and I mean, it doesn't look better. It looks worse. Now we separate the men from the boys and the girls from the women. Right? We find out, you know, if you got faith or not. The people don't understand what faith is. People say, well, I don't understand why this is happening to me. I'm a faith man. <laughs> well, you don't sound like a faith man. <laughs> sound like a crybaby. Sound like a wimp. Proverbs says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. We don't know how much faith you've got when you're feeling good and you got money in your pocket and things are going. We don't know. We don't know. It's when you got bills up to your eyes and you don't know where the money's coming from. Now, how do you talk? It's when the doctors gave you four bad reports and you got worse the last two weeks. Now how do you talk? That's where we really find out about faith. But you remember the woman that got mugged? She said, she's so upset, she wants me to tell her how come she got mugged. Because she is a tongue talker. And she confesses angelic protection. And, uh, of course, you know, I didn't know. 
why she got mugged. I didn't know. And so that's the end of that story. <laughs> Moving right along here. <laughs> hey. You know, there, there's a lot of things we don't know. Right? You don't need to be too proud to say, I don't know. A while back, I had somebody come up and ask me a question, and I looked at them, and I thought just a minute, and I said, uh, I don't know. And they said, oh, come on, Brother Keith, tell me. I said, really? I don't know. And, and again, they, they acted like I'm just holding out on them, you know. But no, I don't know, and there's a whole lot of things you don't know. But you know, we got somebody inside us who knows everything. And so I just checked down on the inside. I checked up here, and there wasn't nothing up there. <laughs> About that particular subject. There's a lesson to learn here. There is. You know, if you look, let's say you, you're looking for a file. And you look in this certain file cabinet. And you look in there 897 times for a file. You have gone through those and you've looked in there 897 times. I mean, you might begin to, to think what? It's not in there. <laughs> right? <laughs> but you know people that do that? They'll thumb through their stuff up here. And they go through it again. And they go through it again. And they go through it hundreds of times. And still keep looking. Well, you ought to realize what? It's not up here. What I'm looking for is not up here. It's not in my mind. I don't know it. You can check up there all you want to. That's why the Bible said, trust in the Lord with your heart and lean not to your own understanding. So check in here. I said, check in here. I know I was going through a bit of a transition one time and I just, I, I'd gone for days thinking about this certain thing. Just thinking about it, thinking about it. Kept my, my brow wrinkled, you know, for quite a while thinking. And the Spirit of God spoke up on the inside of me. I don't mean I heard a voice now, but I just knew inside of me what He was communicating to me. He said to me, don't think, pray. Now, He's not telling me never think. You understand? He's saying on this, about this particular thing, you've thought enough and too much. Quit just thinking about Pray. Well, how are you going to pray about something you don't know about? Thank God we have a supernatural means... You can pray in other tongues, and the Bible says you pray out mysteries. Brother Hagin has said this, it's a great word. He says, mysteries prayed out bring revelation. If you'll pray out the mysteries, revelation will come. So praise God. But when this lady is asking me, you know why she got mugged? And I checked up here, and I didn't know why she got mugged. But I checked down here, and the Spirit of God prompted me. To ask her this question. I said, well, sister, I said, uh, let's go back a little bit to that morning and the evening before. I said, you know, now you went to this certain part of town. It was a bad part of town. Yeah, that's where she got mugged at. I said, well, you, you needed to be down there for something? She said, well, not really. I said, you felt like you should go. She said, well, no, you know, really, I had a check about going. Had a check about going. Did you have a vision? Of, an angel tell you not to go? No, no, no. Hear an audible voice. Say, don't go. No, no. Just had a what? Check. How many know it's easy to override these things? And then you can get in big trouble. 
And she said, well, yeah, you know, I did kind of, I kind of had something in me that, that bothered me when I thought about going. And I, I did, I had a real definite check to not go. But you know, I just quoted and said, well, his angels will protect me and went on. And got mugged. Now, now you may think I've digressed, but I'm talking about faith and fellowship. I'm talking about that you cannot and you ought not try to separate operating in faith and exercising our authority in Christ from being led by the Holy Ghost. The two go hand in hand. And if the Spirit of God is leading you stay home, and you're just going to say, well, I'm just going to confess protection and go on, it's not going to work. I said, it's not going to work. You have to make your confessions in line with His leadings. Then it's going to work. And you can't just say, well, I'm just going to believe this and I'm just going to believe that. No, you've got to talk to God. You've got to fellowship with Him. See what He's saying about it. What He's talking to you. Fellowship and talking to Him, communicating with Him about it. And then based on what He's saying to you by His Word and by His Spirit, then do that. Now, I'm not talking about just flipping through the Bible and, and picking a verse. We have a phrase in our circles, stand on the Word. Right? Would brother just stand on the Word? Well, that's, that's, that phrase is okay as far as it goes, but you know it's a big book. <laughs> right? It's, it's a pretty good sized book. So what do we mean stand on the Word? Just randomly pick out a verse? Now think with me. Wait, what do you do? Just kind of, you know, pick, you know, pick, you know. Throw the concordance open and just kind of run your finger down. And look up and see which one it is. Just random. No. This place is named Rhema. If you look up that word, you'll find out it has to do with the spoken word of God. And it also involves the idea of a timely word. How many know there's a word in season for you? And even though all the Bible is true, not all the Bible is applicable to one situation in your life on a given day. And God will speak to you something about your situation. And then based on that, you have faith. And based on that, you know what to do. But see, a lot of people, they don't even bother to check in with God about things. They just pick something off the top of their head and they just quote a scripture mechanically and take off and that's why they get in trouble. Because they're not really working hand in hand with God and walking hand in hand with Him. I think if somebody came out with a 937 volume set that encompassed everything, what to do in any given situation, people would flock to buy it. But if anybody ever does, save your money. Don't buy it. Why? Because if a 937 or whatever volume set would accomplish it, God would have just given us that instead of the Holy Ghost. You know what the answer to a million and one questions is? Be led. Be led. What verse do I stand on? Be led. Should I go or not go? Be led. Should I have the operation or not? Be led. Should I take the medication or not? Be led. Should I take this church or not? Be led. Be led. Should I marry them or not? Better be led. <laughs> Better be led. <laughs> Should I get in this business deal with this person or not? Better be led. Especially if they have several fish signs on their card. And they call you Christian brother four or five times. Then you pray three times about it. Some didn't like that, but I just uh, said it anyhow, didn't I? Oh, my. We should get to some of these notes, maybe. Uh, mm, mm, mm. Yeah, better be led. That's right. That's what I'm trying to do. I, it is. That's what I'm trying to do. Y'all are a bunch, boy. Y'all are a bunch. Now, listen. We talked about this in, in some detail, you know, about how faith and fellowship are inseparable. And your faith level 
is in direct proportion to how well you know the Lord. I said your faith level is in direct proportion to how well you know the Lord. Now real quickly, I want to talk about some things that are indicators of how well you know Him. Do you know you can locate yourself as to how well you know the Lord? Well, all the laughing stopped when I said that. <laughs> you know the Bible, you know Brother Hagin used this verse, what was it, Sunday night, Titus 1.16, you don't have to turn there, but talking about individuals that profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him. They say they know God, but they don't. So we know for a fact there's people that say they know God, but they don't. And everybody that says, thus saith the Lord, is not thus saith the Lord. And everybody says, God told me, God didn't tell them. And you need to have some discernment. And you need to be led. But here's some things that the Bible tells us that reveal to us some things about how well we know Him. And we need, we don't just need to be presumptuous and think, well, oh, I know God real good. Do you? How well do you know Him? Now, none of us know all there is to know about Him. We talked about that yesterday. I suppose that throughout the ages to come, we will be learning more of Him. But uh, it's just a fact that in this life, some people are closer to Him and know Him better than others. That's true. And it's not because the Lord holds some at arm's length and says, well, I don't want to know you any closer. And others, He says, come here, I want to know you closer. No, no, it's up to us. You can be just as close to Him as you want to be. You can be just as intimate with Him and you can know Him as well as you determine to. But there are people in the body of Christ, people in the church, that know God better than others. Well, you understand that somebody that has walked closely with God for 50 years is going to know God better than somebody that just got saved yesterday. Doesn't mean the person that just got saved doesn't know Him. Sure they do. But they've only been walking with Him for a few days or whatever. It takes a while to get to know somebody. Doesn't it? Isn't it interesting how you can be around somebody for a long length of time and then learn something new about them? Learn some things about them that were... Enlightening, you see. Well, here's some things that indicate how much and how well we really know God. One indicator is how you speak of Him. How you speak of God. You know, I travel quite a bit. My wife and I, and ministry and what have you. And... uh run across a lot of times people that are telling us things and telling me things about Brother Hagin. Well, I spent some time around the man. I've worked with him personally. Healing school. Been around here for years. I've heard his teaching and his materials over and over. There's a lot. I went for sometimes I was talking with somebody else about that. I hadn't even thought about it. But there were sometimes months and months I heard him speak personally and in through his videos and stuff that I was working with five and six times a day. Well, after a while, you get to pick up a few things about somebody. And then some of these, I've had people telling me, you know what, they talked with Brother Hagin. And he, they told him this and he told them that what they said was right and okay. And I can tell sometimes by what they're saying, they didn't talk to him. Why? Well, I don't know everything about him, but I know enough about him to know. Because I have heard him say the opposite of some things they're saying. That's kind of aggravating, you know. The people use your uh, stability and reputation to feather their nest. They don't have a reputation of their own, so they try to borrow yours. I don't know what the people have told me. They talked to Brother Hagin, presented their doctrine to him, and he said, oh, yeah, that's God. <laughs> that don't even sound like him. If you know somebody 
personally, then you hear somebody talking about something that they did and say, a lot of times you can pick up pretty quick. They don't know them. They don't. Why? Because you know them. And you know they're not that way and they wouldn't say that and they wouldn't talk that way and they wouldn't do that way. You can tell by the way people talk about God how well they know Him. Can't you? Well, God did this. God told me this. And a lot of times you're sitting there thinking, huh, whoa now, I know Him too. You know, we do need to realize that other people know God beside us. Right? And he is not, he is not a different person with you. He doesn't change into somebody else with you. As he is with me. God doesn't have a million, billion split personalities. He is not, he is the same person with every one of us. And that's why people who know God have a rapport with one another. Go to 1 John real quickly and look at this. I'm talking about how well you know God. 1 John, the fourth chapter. I, the, the God I know and serve is exactly the same God you know and serve. Right? That was pretty weak. Really, think with me. Now, I know, I know this seems like unnecessary to say, but how many gods are we talking about here? One, one God. You know, if you're born again, you know the same Father I know. Right? And the person beside you, and behind you, in front of you. All of us that are really born again and know God, we all know the same person. And if we do know the same person, if we're talking about him with one another, we will come again and again, we'll hit on the same things. You'll say, oh yeah, yeah, the Lord dealt with me about that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I remember the Lord saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He feels this way about it. Oh yeah, he does. He dealt with me about that. He feels this way about it. Because God didn't tell you he likes one thing and tell me he doesn't like it. Right? God didn't tell me this is my priority and tells you that's not my priority. Somebody, I mean, when we got all these controversies, somebody's not hearing from God. Because He doesn't change from person to person. And a lot of times, you got four or five people saying four or five different things, and truth is, none of them heard from God. And if they'd listen and let Him speak up, He'd say, hey, I didn't say any of that. This is what I say. Right? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. I'm the Lord God. I change not. I mean, He changes not from person to person. He changes not from day to day. He changes not from church to church. Is God a different God with the Baptist than with the Pentecostals? Is He a different God to the Catholic? No, no, no. He works with us as much as He can. But He's the same God. And when you come around people that really know God, if you really know God, there's an immediate rapport. And there, there's a lot of similarity. And we are able to have communion around what we share in common. And if you really know something about God, and I really know something about God in the same area, we'll find out it's the same thing. And the closer I get to God, and the closer you get to God, the closer we will be to each other. Can you see? If we've got the Lord here, I'm here, you're here. Many have thought unity will be achieved by mutual conformity. Me being like you, and you being like me, and we'll get in unity. Oh no, 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 no. If I'll become more like the Lord, and you'll become more like the Lord, what's happening to us? What's us? We're getting closer. Is that right? And God has called me to be just like Him, and you to be just like Him. And if I'm just like Him, and you just like Him, we'll be like one another. I don't mean we'll lose our individuality, but we'll hold the important things common. We'll see things the right way together. Not me conforming to you. Not you conforming to me. All of us conforming to Christ. And as we do, we'll draw closer together automatically. 
Notice in 1 John, the fourth chapter. 1 John 4, verse 4. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. How many know that the world have the same things in common? And they recognize each other's language. Right? Why? They got the same father. The devil. And so they got the same values. Which is hardly any at all. Verse 6. We are of God. How many know we're not of the world? We're in the world. But we're not of the world. They're of the world. We're of God. You know, sometimes people talk about the universal fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man. God's the father of all mankind and all of us are brothers and sisters. Not so. I said not so. There are two families in the earth. Now I realize that you could divide and you could say Jew, Gentile, and church. Three groups. But really, everybody can fall into two basic categories as well. Saved, lost. Right? And those who are lost are not my brother, not my sister. You understand? Why? They're in the family of darkness. Their father's the devil. We were in that family, but glory to God, we've been translated out of that kingdom. Amen. Into the kingdom of God's dear son. Now we're nothing to that family. We're in a different family, the family of God. But anybody and everybody that's really been born again, I don't care what denomination they claim to be, they're part of the same family. We're all part of the same family. But he said, we're of God. He that knows God. What are we talking about now? He that knows God hears us. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, John was surely talking by the Spirit of God. He was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke by the Spirit. And he's very bold. Of course, he's speaking by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But he says, if people don't listen to us and they don't hear what we're saying, it's because they don't know God. Boy, that's a strong word, isn't it? Now, of course, everybody couldn't say that. (laughs) Probably a lot of people would like to say that, but... You understand, if somebody's really speaking by the Spirit of God, that's the same Spirit you got inside you. It'll be familiar. You remember John 10? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep by name. I call them out. I lead them. They follow me. And he said, by a stranger's voice, they won't follow. Why? They don't know. They don't know that voice. What does it mean? That they're not familiar with that voice. It's strange to them. Oh, hallelujah. Go to, go to Hebrews 13. We quoted verse 8, but you need to look at this verse. Everybody say strange. strange. What does strange mean? You're not used to it. Right? This is, this is something unfamiliar to you. Strange. If you know somebody, that's not unfamiliar. Somebody comes up to the door of your house, knocks on the door. And you say, who is it? And an unfamiliar voice comes back through the door. You don't know that voice. If somebody you know, you hear that voice and you immediately recognize it. Brother, sister, friend, roommate, whoever, husband, wife. You hear that voice, you know that voice, you go, yeah, yeah, you know him. But if you don't know the voice, should you just open the door immediately? You don't know the voice. Strange voice. You're standing there thinking, who is that? And they say, oh, you know me. And you go, I can't place that voice. Oh, yeah, you know me. We're friends. You go, I can't place that. Should you just open? Come on, open up the door. We're friends. No, you shouldn't just open the door. Because there are people that lie. Right? Well, the devil's a liar. But the devil, if you're a born again child of God, the devil does not live inside of you. He he doesn't dwell in you all day and all night. The one who does live in you 
you should be most familiar with him. I mean, he's in you all the time. He's the one you commune with when you praise, when you worship, when you pray. Every time you look on the inside, did you? He's there. All the and sometimes people, when they're looking for direction, they're looking for something unfamiliar. But we should look for the familiar when we're looking for direction, not the unfamiliar. He in, in Hebrews thirteen eight verse eight. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, be not carried about with divers and different and what? Strange doctrines. For it's a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. I'm telling you, you get a hold of this, this will really help you in ascertaining what is God and what is not God, what's the Holy Ghost, what's not the Holy Ghost. If somebody is speaking by the Spirit of God, you've got the same Spirit inside you. Even though it's new to your head, it'll be familiar to your heart. Familiar. There'll be a witness. If somebody's really speaking by the Spirit of God, really moving by the Spirit of God in your heart, there'll be a, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, comfortable, familiar. Yeah, I know, I know this Spirit. I know Him. But when somebody gets up and says something and does something and you're sitting there thinking, huh, Hmm. I don't know. But that's it. That, you should know a lot right there. I said, you should know a lot right there. Because if it's really Him, and He lives in you all the time, it shouldn't be strange to you. It should be familiar to you. Somebody prophesies to you to do something, to go somewhere, to be something, and you're standing there thinking, huh. <laughs> well, I never really thought about that. I mean... Hmm. Watch it. Watch it. Because if it's really God, it's not two different, uh, you know, God, God's not two different Holy Ghosts, the same Holy Ghost. If it's the Holy Ghost talking through them, that's the same Holy Ghost who lives in you. And if it's really from God, you'll have a witness. And inside you, you'll be going, yeah, 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 that's what he was dealing with me about earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's the same thing he said last year. Yeah, yeah, familiar. 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 But when it's strange, that's an indication it's not Him. Watch out for the strange stuff. The unfamiliar stuff. So how you speak of Him shows some things. And if other people know God, there's a, there's a rapport there. You identify with each other. You relate to each other. You receive from each other. I've seen people that learn the charismatic word and faith jargon. They learn how to talk the talk. But you could just be around them for just a little bit and think, mm-mm, mm-mm, something's not right here. Why? Not the same spirit. Something not right. And a lot of times I find out these people haven't even been saved. Do you know there's people that go to church that's not saved? Never been born again. There's people come to church for all kind of reasons. There's people come to church to make business contacts. There's people come to church to get to make dates. There's people come to church and if nobody's looking, take some money out of the, the bucket when it comes by. <laughs> you laugh, but hey, it's happened too many times. Absolutely has happened. But how you speak of him will say a lot. Go with me to Luke 18. I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I've uh, taken so many directions today. It's kind of a splatter barrel message. How many know you can shoot something with a rifle or you can shoot it with a shotgun? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of a shotgun message today. Go to Luke 18. I'm going to give you a couple of things here in line. While you're getting Luke, go to John 7, then that'll be all we'll have to find right now. We'll probably close and let you go. Luke 18 and John 7. Go ahead and find that while you're finding. John 7. Look at that after we look at Luke 18. Now, I'm still talking about how well you know God. Does this have anything to do with our healing? Well, again... Uh, what's the biggest factor to your healing? Your faith, 
will make you whole. Right? And faith, as we've said, is inseparable from knowing God. Your faith level cannot uh, supersede the level and degree you know God. Your faith is going to be in proportion to how well you know God. So really when we're saying, let's ascertain how well we know God, we're also saying, let's locate our faith level. And we're talking about how well we know Him. One way that you can see how well people know God is by how they talk. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. (laughs) Or speaketh, whatever. It gets out though, doesn't it? Whatever people are full of, you watch, it'll, it'll come out. Sometimes even if they're careful, they try to say the right thing, but then under duress or pressure, but there it came. And you go, ah, there it is. That's, that's what's really in the heart. How many know you can say things from here, but then you can say things from here? Right? I mean, you can say things from here like Polly Parrot. But then it's a whole lot of difference when you say something from here that you really believe. And that's what, you know, faith is not just saying, but Mark eleven twenty three talks about if you believe and not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say. So you're in your heart, in, you believe in something in your heart and saying it with your mouth, not just saying it. But uh, you can be saying some things and it not be coming from your heart. And you can, you know, you can even pray and talk to God and wax eloquent. And God not even be in the conversation with you. (laughs) Luke 18. Here's an example of somebody that did that. Luke 18.9. Jesus spake this parable to certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. In other words, they felt superior to most other people. Two men, he said, went up into a temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a publican. Now, of course, Pharisee, you understand, like we said yesterday, the Pharisees were the word people of their day. Only we're talking letter of the word. They could probably outquote either three or four of us put together on the Old Testament. They, they were considered to be the spiritually elite. But the publican, on the other hand, they were hated, despised tax collectors. And there's no, no wonder why they were. Because they'd come to your house and say, well, time to pay taxes. And you say, well, I figured out that I owe $450. They say, no, no, you owe eight ninety five. And you go, no, no, no. I got to figure eight ninety five. Let be cash or check. And they got the soldiers there with them. And you go, well, eight ninety five is fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he takes the $400 and pockets it. And these guys were rich. And that's how they got that way. So you could understand they're not very popular. <laughs> so you got the Pharisee, which is supposed to be the most spiritual in society. And you got the publican, which is the most hate. Everybody knows publicans are outlaws. They know it. Scum of the earth, they think. But this Pharisee stood, and verse 11, what did he say? Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and what? Prayed thus with Himself. <laughs> oh. And he said, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men. Not like these extortioners, these unjust adulterers, even like this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything. And the publican, he stood afar off. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. He smote his breast. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He said, I tell you, this man went down to his house, the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other one. But what I wanted you to see is, is what did God say about this man's prayer? Did God say, this, God say this man and I were having a conversation? No. No. Yet he's calling himself praying. 
Isn't he? He is. I mean, he's saying, I'm talking to God. Oh, God, I'm praying. Oh, God. And what did God say? He's just talking with himself. <laughs> you, can, you can listen to people pray. And you can tell just pretty quick how well they know God. These people that just go on and on and on and ramble and, I mean, belabor every point. Oh, God. You know, we need to think about it sometimes. Sometimes people just sound like a, a, a freight train going through a tunnel. Oh, God. Oh, God. Do it for a minute. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, you, you're talking to somebody, right? What if somebody came up to me and said, Oh, Keith. Oh, Keith. Oh, Keith. And I said, Yeah. Oh, Keith. Oh, Keith. 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 Oh, Keith. Oh, Keith. Oh, Keith. 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 Well, they just, they just praying with their self. I said, they just praying with their self. You need to remember you're talking to somebody. I said you're talking to somebody and not just anybody. God. Think about what you're saying. Talk intelligently. That's why the Lord warned us. Don't, don't, don't do all these vain repetitions like the heathen. He said don't do that. Know who you're talking to. Act like you're talking to the, the creator of the universe. See people just get in the habit of stuff. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> now finally, in closing, look at our scripture at John. John 7. If I had more time, we'd delve into some things and perhaps you can come back tomorrow and we can uh, pick up and possibly cover some of this information on my notes. <laughs> but of course, all said and done, what are we going to do? We're going we're gonna to be led. That's right. That's right. John 7. Seventeen and eighteen. The people there were talking about Jesus, these leaders, and when they verse fifteen, they marveled and they said, "How does this man uh, know these things? He never learned. He's not educated." They're, they're saying, and Jesus said, "My doctrine's not mine, but His that sent me." Do you know Jesus never took credit for one message he preached? He never took credit personally for one healing, one miracle. One deliverance, he never took credit for one thing. He always said, the Father, the Father, the Father in me, he does the works. The Father gave it to me. What I'm saying, I didn't get it from myself, I got it from him. Well, how much more should we talk that way? And he goes on to say in verse 18, and we're talking about, you can tell how well people know God by how they talk. And this is another indicator, John 7, 18. He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. But he that seeks his glory that sent him, the same is true and no unrighteousness is in him. People who are continuously talking about their self don't know God very well. They just don't. Because there's somebody more impressive than you to talk about. We actually have a better subject available to us for conversation than you or me. It's no wonder people get discouraged and get bored just because of the subject of their conversation. It's always me. If you could look at people's forehead a lot of time and see what they're thinking about, if it was like a TV screen, you know, you'd see that on every channel is something about me. Even the commercials are about me. Even got me reruns. So it's me in the morning, me in the afternoon, me when the sun goes down. And so because that's all they're thinking of, that's all they talk about. You know, what I thought, what I heard, uh, what I think, what I believe, my experience, what I have, what I've done. I, 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 I. And the Bible says the person that's continually speaking of their self, they are seeking whose glory? Their glory. Which means they are very much knowledgeable about themselves. They know a lot about me. And of course, they want to impart that great revelation to you. They want you to know all about me, too. 
and assume that since I'm so wonderful, of course, you would want to hear four hours about me. (laughs) But the truth is, I know it may be a little bit hard to take, but the truth is, people are really not that interested in you. Even your close loved ones. After a while, they get tired of hearing. Now, when I say after a while, I'm talking about like, you know, after two or three minutes or so. They get tired of hearing about you, 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 you. But I tell you, my friend, if you have really come to know God to some degree, you know somebody who's infinitely more interesting and more exciting than you yourself are. And so that's who you want to talk about. And that's what you want to talk about. All it's God. Oh, He's so wonderful. He said this. He's doing this. He, he, he. Not me, me, me. And that's an indicator of how well you know Him. Stand up on your feet if you would. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.